I'll stop swearing. But oh. I don't. Sh- oh, hey, hang on. You're still better. Better. Ooh, I got a, I got a, a beep. I can't figure out how to get the, <coughs> this thing out of like viewer mode. Why is everyone coughing? I'm not coughing. I'll mute. It's me. Uh, it's the winter. How do I turn off the? Oh crap! Now I turn. Now I turn like the mini player on. What the deuce? Yeah, like so. I don't know. It had to be about ten years ago. There was a Joust two for sale in Wisconsin for three hundred dollars. I remember seeing it and saying to Chris Rhodes, "Hey, I should get that uh, Joust two And him saying, "Nah, it's a terrible game. Don't even bother." Oh man! Hey, what's wrong with you? <laughs> well, ten years ago. I mean, ten years ago there was like you could hop on Craigslist and like find games. Right. I can't get the chat. God dang it. Are you trying to get the YouTube chat to pop out? Well, I just want to see like I used to. Now I see mother trucker. Is your um is your video in theater mode? That's what happened to you last time. Yeah, but I never figured out how to get out of it. Okay, so so there's a lot. There's like a little Hold on, let me just look, let me just go to any video. In the bottom right of the video. Oh, now it's full screen. Now I can't see anything. No, no, no. You picked the wrong one. Don't not the very last one. Mm-hmm. Hit escape. That'll set you back. Default view. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Peabody's in the chat. Did we have one listener tonight? That'd be hilarious. Oh, bring bring me back. Back to the old days. There are six now watching. Alright. We started really? streaming 116 seconds ago. That actually, that actually means there's only two people, I think. I'll keep you updated. Well, I, I'm definitely one, one of them. Or three people. Oh, now we, somebody just quit. <laughs> Damn it. Rage quit. There's, this show sucks. I'm out. <laughs> oh, The thing is, is, I'm ready to go. Are you guys ready to go? Because I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm. I, hey, when we're done, I'm going to see Tom Kiefer. Oh, yeah. Who's that? Lead singer for Cinderella. Tom Kiefer is my yeah. is the name is... of my ex youth pastor. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I have a Tom Kiefer joke, but I don't uh, think I can tell. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh jeez. Oh god. It involves a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> maybe ne- maybe later this month. Oh god. Oh god. Hey, well, I think we should get this uh, party started. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Welcome to Season 4, Episode 2 of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Today is Friday, November 1st, 2019, and the time is now approximately 7.19 p.m. Central. Thanks for joining us in the Arcadosphere. This is your host, Adam, Adam Sentiment. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mark, not Brook Shields, and Paradise Arcade Shop proprietor and part-time body rebuilder, Trapper Brian M.D., a.k.a. B-Top Thurston Howell III. And later tonight, we'll be joined by the Cash and Cultures, Tim Hartman of Retrotainment himself. Ah, Chatters, welcome to the show. Yeah, I see Brian Frober, I see Randy Gelking, I see Mr. Peabody, I see, uh, I see someone's, some, someone's Friday night going uh, a hell of a lot better than mine. Uh, cheers, Brian Frober. Brian never Frober. say never again. Cheers. That's the answer. Cheers. I'm, tonight, I'm drinking the Eureka Heights Mini Boss. A direct ripoff of um, <laughs> that, you know, that Cartoon Network show that I can't think of the name of with the hamburger meat. <laughs> Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yes. And they keep changing the name, but I think it's always still Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yes. I, I love that show. It's such a good show. <laughs> oh, we have one listener in bed. Well, that, you know, such is life. Such is life. And I'm, oh. I'm using my Grinkfest uh, uh, cup holders. <laughs> I need to get out to that. Oh, man. Arcade Jason just joined. Nice. What's up, Arcade Nerds? Oh, that's nice. That's my... I think I think Brian has one of those. I gave him one. I do, but I have these coasters. What? That looks sad. What is that? It's a piece of oh, wood. It's wood. <laughs> okay, now that you said it's wood, then... Got wood. Fine. I got wood. Nice. Uh, so what have you guys been working on? What have you been working on? Someone go. Anybody. Uh, well, I was trying to take all my Williams games and put them into this arcade. Nice. And I only got to three. <laughs> I mean, we spoke, what, at 6.15? And right. so it was not easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you decided the Williams games and not like, hey, I'm going to make an Atari room. It's going to take me 12 days because I can only move one game with a stair lift thing. And I'll like, because so <laughs> they're so freaking heavy. Yeah, I, Moon Patrol and uh, what else was in there? There's a Moon Patrol in there. There's a Sinistar in there. And, oh, Turkey Shoot. So that that will complete the rest of this row. But I'm curious if it'll fit. Um, there is a pole position cockpit right over there that may get kicked out. Yeah. <laughs> Which hasn't run in, by the way, the whole time I've had it. Oh, no. What's wrong? Uh, the board's not working. It's pole position. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's pole position. Should just get one of those Jack's Pacific games and stick it inside there. <laughs> is the F- is the FPGA on that almost done? Weren't they working on that for no. a while? Are you kidding? No. That's been uh, seriously that project's like ten years old. It's worse it than is. the guy that did the Spy Hunter seats. Oh, oh, that, that hurts. <laughs> I cut deep. It's worse than the guy that did the Star Wars side art. No. <laughs> oh. I mean, there's a lot of long-lived projects, right? So what are you going to do? Hey, uh, speaking of long-lived projects, yeah, 
I got the final proofs to the Omega Race backdrop today. Oh. So I, all I have to do is actually look at my email on a computer that I can check the artwork on, um, say that I approve, and they're going to go to screening next week. That's interesting. I just finished editing that darn uh, episode with Aaron Fector, and you were announcing, that was like in May, that, that, they, that you were doing them. <laughs> uh, it was you know <laughs> it's it's one of those projects so i don't i don't do illustrator or vector graphics very well so i have to like i hired somebody to do it and they did like 99 percent of it uh-huh. and it's like finishing off a room where it's the trim that like takes like you know as much time as the rest of the room and sure. then uh, actually tall paul stepped in at the end and he's gonna like you know, shoot me for putting that on here because he told me he doesn't want anybody knowing he knows how to do this. Yeah. Uh, but he stepped in at the end and really actually did a nice job, finished off a few things. Uh, we had the a proof done last week, and I went in and they had left a couple things off that hadn't been... The, whoever had done it originally had just copied over the, the artwork without vectorizing it. So there were some things that looked good when you look at the picture, and then when you actually printed up the vectors, they disappeared because they were still in a raster mode. Hmm. Um, so we fixed that stuff and it, it looks great now. So I'm kind of excited. Should That's be good. Cool. I'm actually, uh, in, uh, you know, Mark, it's going to dovetail off your story. I, uh, fixed my defender, uh, 100% now. And I, nice. I rebuilt the linear power supply. Uh, I replaced every transistor and every capacitor. Uh, I got I got to use one from somebody. And I just uh, went to town on that thing and rebuilt it and tested all the voltages and everything worked great. And now I have a Defender with an NVRAM uh, memory replacement that allows me to keep the the legendary scores up. So, nice. uh, Well, it's funny. Good on you because my Stargate is the only one of the Williams games that has a, a, a switcher on it. Well, Turkey Shoot does too, but that was all hacked up when I got it. That's the other thing. Uh, the whole inside of my defender had to get gutted because somebody had hacked the i think i mentioned this on the show last time but somebody had hacked the um harness into a switcher and so oh. i had this dokert um <laughs> is that a kind of yogurt yeah it is i dokert is a guy on cloth and he used to make uh oh, yeah. reproduction uh williams harnesses and so i had this harness that was like i don't know from 2000 or let's see 2014 must have been 2012 when I bought it. So I, it's just been sitting around doing nothing. So I rebuilt the linear power supply, put in Dokert's uh, wiring, and bam, fired right up. And then the interconnect board died. So luckily I had a spare spare from, actually it's a Stargate uh, interconnect board, IO board. So put that in there, and now I've been playing Defender like every day. I've Oh, that's another thing. It was set to hard. I get, That's what she said. That game is. Yeah, I know. That game. Uh, Sorry, I can't. She says I watched all the time. Office. She's, yeah. she says, <laughs> anyway, that's a boring story. So, the other fun thing that I've had to do is I uh, purchased a Pat 9000. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you got your Warlords so working? We've been playing around with that. Oh, my God. It is. So, we hooked up uh, just a regular 6100 monitor to the side because I actually have all the parts to build the 13 inch amplifone. And then uh, somebody locally has a 13 amp, 13 inch amp tube, a direct match um, that they're been holding for the person I bought this uh, the Pat 9000 from. So, so you need to go pick that up, rebuild the 
the boards and everything. Real briefly, for the those in the audience that don't know what a Pat nine thousand is, you should maybe mention what they it should get is. off the they should get off the chat. <laughs> oh jeez! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, we I'm not picky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the uh, the Pat Nine Thousand is an arcade test station uh, that Atari released that allowed you to actually uh, plug in almost all the Atari boards. It doesn't really do any logic testing. Um, it just makes it very easy to connect the board, test all the functions on it, go into the diagnostic mode. So like today, we were working on an Asteroids Deluxe for Chris uh, Cornello who is at the concert that I'm going to later. Um, and we were able to just, we didn't have an Asteroids Deluxe cabinet around. We were able to plug it in, put the programming plug on, flip it on, mess around with it, put it in diagnostic mode, and uh, we got it going. Excelente. Does it have two kinds of monitors? Um, how does it, it does. Work? It's got a raster and a vector monitor. Sweet. And so what's kind of fun is there's these things called programming plugs. This is the crazy part about it. These plugs that plug into the front of it tell it what game you have. And most of the uh, most of the Atari games have that 40-pin connector. Um, and so <laughs> that's awesome. So Jason's like watching porn or something in the background and thought the noise he, that he was hearing was He thought was it was us. us. <laughs> so anyways, the, the Atari games have these 40-pin connectors, and these programming plugs actually allow you to – it tells it what game you have connected, whether it's raster or vector – and then routes it appropriately. And you can have two boards connected at once, so you can actually power up two games. And if you have a raster and a vector connected at the same time, it'll actually show both games on each screen. So you can watch the raster and the vector at the same time. Whoa. Excellent. So it's pretty neat. And, I mean, even the black and whites. So the old Atari black and whites, you could plug in through this, and it will play, like, so the raster, or the vectors it does in green. I haven't done a black and white raster. I haven't actually checked that yet, but I'm... Pretty sure you can do a couple of them. So lots of fun. Nice. That's a lot and of stuff. Well, I suppose we should get this, you know, next segment going here. Good evening. The arcade news, arcades, pinball, industry alumni, arcade openings, collecting, celebrities, world record holders, operators, coin op, conventions, new products and gadgets, gamers, the arcade news. I'm Brian Buffalo. I'm Adam Stevens. We interrupt the Federal Interval. And now, the arcade news with Brian McLeod. Is that... What? Oh, that is is a... that still not Brian? Is that still not Brian in that intro? It's Brian. Is it for real? No. Sounds like I'm Brian McLeod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Brian. Go ahead. <laughs> that was an abrupt cut there. Welcome Sorry. to the Arcade News. Uh, we have a few interesting stories tonight. Uh, one of them is from The Verge. This is about uh, GIFs and Giphy. So the app that has allowed you to send ridiculous pictures of cats and other things to your friends to fit your emotion at the time has actually expanded out and is adding an arcade effect to um, essentially to GIFs. So what, they're, what they've done is they've made this this app that allows you to build an arcade game. They've got a number of different platforms, um, like a Space Invaders platform, a Centipede-style platform, a Breakout-style platform, and then you choose the platform, and then you go on and add in the graphics to fit that platform. So you can pick whatever graphics you want, and you can assemble your custom arcade game and send it to a friend. 
Um, the idea is that this would allow some kind of uh, people to have a lot of fun, share different interesting uh, games. There's they one of them they call is <laughs> instead of Flappy Bird, they have Floppy Bard. Um, Blastums, beat 'em ups, and other things. So, kind of an interesting little idea there. Yeah. Sweet. I think I need to reload my news page. I didn't. I'm not seeing the same thing. You haven't seen that. What's next? Well, in other news. In other news. This is an amazing step forward in technology. I mean, here we are, and you know, you've you've got first world problems when um, the uh, it's a news article that you cannot listen to a podcast while playing an arcade game on an iPhone. <laughs> Oh God, I've I've had that problem so many times. I, you know, I I don't know what's going on with the world, but but the good news is, is they have figured out that this is a simple checkbox fix. Who's they? Well, so the developers evidently there's like when you develop an app for the iPhone, there's a box that says, "Do I want my app to take over all the sound for this phone, or do I want to let the user actually choose their own experience?" But you have to like actually select letting the user choose their experience. It by default says the app takes over the phone. Right. And so this has been fixed and people are rejoicing. I heard there's like a parade in New York or something yeah. about this. Am I on a different news page? I do not see any of this. <laughs> what article are you looking at? Yeah. I'm looking at it. I mean, scroll I, down, right? It's at line nine, dude. Oh, from it's Vice. Vice.com. Okay. Vice. And finally. Yes. The big news of the night. Okay. The news that uh, our, our soon-to-join-us guest will be talking more about <clears throat> is that Haunted Halloween 86, which was originally released in 2016 on a cartridge for the NES, is now available on the Nintendo Switch. The launch was last night, uh, which is part of the reason why we're on tonight, because they had a big launch party and there was lots of celebrating going on. Plus and Halloween. So, what? Plus Halloween. And Halloween. Well, it's Halloween. It's like they're... Yeah, it's like their Christmas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Plus, you know, we we have, we know people that go to do Halloween stuff and have kids. Yeah. Well, and I I, I wasn't arguing with having it off. How so was the, how the, was your the, Halloween, by the way? Mine. Yeah. It, it was uh, it was a good one. The dad tax was heavy this year. Oh. <laughs> I have a salted nut roll. <laughs> Dang. I didn't do much. I did go to see Jay and Silent Bob reboot on the day before Halloween, and I got hugs from Kevin Smith and Jason Muse. Last night? So, it was two days ago, but yes. Jesus. It was so good. My life is terrible. You know what? I think they wanted to hug my wife because she came in first, and then they were like, well, I guess we'll hug the husband, too. So <laughs> that happened. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah. And that's, and that's it for the news. And that's the arcade news. That was it. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Back, back to the cave with, with Time Runner. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Uh, yes, Doctor Who. What's going on at the arcade? Let's talk about this. So back in 86, you could throw a quarter in a coin slot and play some games. I guess I should say 82 because what we're about to do is play a recording of an ABC News Channel 7 LA news segment covering the video game industry. 
And uh, and again, we'll play a few of these over the next coming weeks, and then uh, we'll comment on them afterwards. So, Adam? Video games are the latest craze to sweep the country and most of the world, too. Millions of people are addicted to hours of gazing at electronic images on game screens and arcades and in their own homes. What makes video games so popular? Well, we search for an answer as we begin a special series on Video Fever, Games People Play. It is a cacophony of sounds from a symphony of electronics. If you're filling your time capsules these days, don't forget a bit of Frogger or Mousetrap, or Grand Champion, or Pac-Man, or Ms. Pac-Man. They are video games. They are as American, well, as international as war. We've got that too. In 1981, Americans popped in between five and nine billion dollars worth of quarters and tokens into the slots of arcade video games. Pac-Man alone digested 200 million dollars for its manufacturer, Bally Corporation's Midway. No human could begin to compute how many Pac-Man dots were gobbled up, how many little children and adults spent their free time at the joystick of a video game control. One study estimates that we spent 75,000 man years doing this. Don't despair those numbers. Before video games, there were other attractions. Here's a sound to remember. The quiet ride of the silver ball, the ding of the bells as it hit the bumpers. There's a lot of us who remember pinball machines like these and pool tables like these, people my age and a little bit older. I spent a lot of time during the summer playing a pinball machine like this. And I remember the one thing about pinball machines is the score. You could always get it up to about 99,999 before it rotated back to zero. Now with electronic games, you can go to a million or two million or nine million, 999,999. And getting there is half the fun and part of the frustration. Oh, no. oh, part of the no. fascination is the way the games oh. are designed. Take 13-year-old Paul Glatzer playing Zaxxon. The game is three-dimensional. The screen is full of tricks to avoid. Your airplane moves faster than the speed of sound. Ooh, airplane. hungers for a kill. I like the details on it. There's good details on the games. Part of it is the sound. These games would not be any fun at all if there were no sound. There is, and that is why people like Burt Price can stand at a machine for two and a half hours on one quarter, mind you, and play Galaga. Galaga! Galaga, my favorite. I could have done that for longer. Just I lost all my ships. I mean, who who says Galaga? Do you play Galaxian? <laughs> that that was funny, even though this is like the third time I've heard it. <laughs> so. What, what stood out yeah. in this segment for you, Mark? I like that he's... Well, at the beginning, they list Mousetrap, and then what was the other one that they... I mean... I don't know, but I heard Gorf, and... I heard... Was Gorf the one that's saying insert coin? Yep, yep. Yeah, that's clever. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I only have a Wizard of War. I my, I have a Gorf, but I haven't, like, got it going yet, but... I think... Yeah. I, th- I think Berserk, ha- Berserk had a uh, clever... Uh, attract sound to. I don't remember. He used to, he used to say something, and and, and spa, uh, Space Fury also used to say something. Hmm. Uh, to, Although I'm insulted by the uh, the woman who introduced the segment, where she says that we spend hours gazing. I mean, we're not gazing. We're like engaging. You know, engaging. Yeah, you're interacting. Yeah, gazing is like what you do with the movies or with Netflix. Anyway, I think, I think Brian's watching porn. Let's yep. see what's, what's what's going on. Definitely. Here. 
Look at this profile. It just looks like he's totally disinterested because he's not looking at his camera. He's like, because yeah, I get the camera over here. There. So anyway, hey, yeah, as we go you? along, these these articles get a little weirder and weirder. So we actually played the second one last week. So yeah, so we'll have to play the third segment. The third. Yeah, that hey, will be amazing. What I'm taking away from that is I just picked up a mousetrap. Oh, very nice. Is it working? Uh, that, about that is, that wasn't part of the thing. You're just. You're just blurting out stuff now. No, I'm not. He <laughs> talked about mousetrap at the beginning of the intro. That's right. See? Now, the trick for your mousetrap is to get the, the soundboard to work. Uh, yes. Yes. Get that My, soundboard to work. I'll get it to work. That's what she said. Anyway, let's find out what's in the What's juke. in the juke? Okay. 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 Uh-huh. Okay. Is, is that it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to What's in the Juke, where we pay, play a tiny bit of a song that is somewhat topical, and you try to guess the title and the artist. And if you can guess uh, half of one of them, then you'll get... Oh, yeah. You get a half point. Half, half point. point. There you go. If you <laughs> guess both, you'll get... Full point. Wheat. <laughs> and if you uh, can't figure it out, you, know, you guys have to fight it out. Right. That cracks me up. I don't know why that cracks me up so much. <laughs> okay. Oh, I I must have put a couple of extras in here on accident. Oh my. This ought to be good. <laughs> okay. Uh, first track, uh, get your sound, uh, your, your headphone thingies on and, um, and your, uh, sound hounds and your Shazam's out. Cause <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Um. I think we should do the, uh, prepare to qualify clip. Before we start, that's funny. I, uh, do you have that available? Uh, probably, but I'm not going to dig around for it right this Oh, second. Brian Fober got the. Uh, I would say that that's that's correct a, that's as far as the artist. Meh. It's the original artist. Uh, that's the guitarist, but right. that and is he, not. And he does play along. He, I guess yeah. you need to. So I play some more. R.K. Jason. Well, R.K. Jason got the title. Peter Gunn. Two ends. Yep. Yes. Yep. Peter Gunn and Dwayne Eddy. I think we get that's probably close enough. But let's just say it's it is Art of Noise featuring Dwayne Eddy. So yes. we got a half point, half point for Brian Fober and a half point for Arcade Jason. Is that right? Yes. Next track. Uh, such a good that's such a good good song and how Peabody is in Mr. Peabody all right right. for well that's like one word one word you got a little bit more that's closer I'm I'm gonna have to give it to Mr. Frober yeah half point to Mr. Frober and Beastie Boys goes to Mr. Peabody so nice Brian in first place nice all right, this one may be a little harder. Mm-hmm. 
see if they wow can. i like that yeah it's a great track i just saw that guy two months ago lucky it was so good it was so good i forgot to mention that i did see um uh oh i can't think of his name you know the guy yeah um what is love what is love what is love oh howard jones Howard Jones, yes. What is love? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, Mr. Peabody got uh, the artist. Billy Idol. That's All correct. Right. And we'll play a little more. If I told you to live if I didn't, darling, is it I'm so sorry? I did not say. <laughs> it's not Hathaway. <laughs> no. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. That's Hathaway. <laughs> I think we're going to have to uh, punt on this one. There you go. There's the title of the song. <laughs> right. Somebody <laughs> type it. <laughs> So who got the half point for Billy Idol? Uh, <laughs> Mr. Peabody. All right, cool. That was To Be a Lover by Billy Idol. And here comes another track, a little deeper cut. I kind of think Randall will get this one. It's a classic. I love that song. I'll, I'll go to the middle for the next little clip. Oh, Brian. Rumors, Brian Frober. And who is the artiste? With these wicked women, ooh, they just persist. Maybe you think it's cute. But girl, I'm not impressed. I tell you what time only with my business, please don't mess. Well, he's got part of the name correct. Brian Frober's on it tonight. Half point. He's like the new Casey. Yeah, the new Casey is ahead of everybody. <laughs> the new Kelsey. The new Kelsey. Kelsey. Right. Oh, man. We haven't insulted him in so long. Well, I only gave him a half point because it's Timex Social Club. As I mean, he got a third of it. Really, he got... He's yeah. like at point, uh, point two five maybe. Or something. It's like... Point three. Yeah. <laughs> point three, All right, three, fine. We'll just let that go. Okay. This one... Uh, oh, I don't know if I was going to play this one or not. Hmm... Oh, Brian said time make social club. I'm going to give it to him. Boom. Okay. I'll play this. Uh, I'm going to play this one anyway. Some of these are deeper cuts. I was kind of expecting Kelsey to be around. Oh, I love this song. I'm a cry. <laughs> this is very sad. What's it been like a month? Three weeks? Randall Gelking. Emotion, emotion, Rick sick. He, he is on the board with a full point. Full point. Full point. That's right. This is, this is getting, now we're getting serious. All right. Oh, how rude. <laughs> Here comes some dead guy. Oh, my God. A little too soon, asshole. I mean, Brian, who I love. <laughs> You're still oh in first God. place, Brian, so relax. <laughs> 
All right, next track. You think anybody will get it from that? Oh, no. <laughs> Skip that in the radio. I don't think they play that part. They do. Do they? Yeah. But they're usually talking over it. <laughs> Unlike us, we don't talk over music. No. <laughs> Mexican oh, radio. Man. That's I'm actually a good me. guess. That was a good guess. I know yeah. it has a similar thing at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, REM, Brian Frober. Man, he's quick on the dial today. And that is I am Superman. Brian Frober pulls it out full for a point. full point. Damn. All right. Three next points. track. The next one. Uh, the next one I have to play kind of a, a little bit further down in the song because otherwise nobody will hear it. Uh, okay. Here, here comes your next clue. I wonder if they'll get nice. it from that. That's Queen. So yes, Brian Frober on top of it again. He's killing it. He is killing it. This is a, you know. Wow. It's the Brian Fober show. It is the Brian Fober show. One vision is correct. Mr. People. Wow. Hey! One man, one go. Yeah, that's sweet. Okay. Um, Iron Eagle soundtrack. That's interesting. It's, uh, it's actually... From it's a kind of magic, which is from the Highlander soundtrack. It may have been played in Iron Eagle, but it was originally conceived for the it's a kind of magic or the a kind of magic album, which is really yep. I can't imagine. Yeah, because it's not like thematically similar to any of the other music. Well, I mean, they did the whole soundtrack for Highlander, right? But One Vision is that on? The soundtrack? Is it play uh, over the, the credits or something? I think it is maybe. Over, I don't remember where it, where it is in the movie. Maybe played in one of the cars, actually, when they're driving oh, around. Oh, yeah, that, that would make sense. I think when, when big guy's driving around. And right. the funny thing about that song is at the end, do the chatters know what the last line, what he says? He changes one vision out for one word. Do, do you know what it is? Or two words. Instead of one vision, he says, anybody got it? We give him we give a half point for the answer if you know it, and you cannot die, McLeod. <laughs> no, that's my worst, uh, uh, you know, Connery impression. So <laughs> you t- you talk funny, Nash. Yeah, <laughs> he gets it. Fried chicken. <laughs> like, yeah, instead like, of one vision, he says fried chicken in the very last. Uh, oh yes, yeah. that's right. Fried chicken. Fried chicken. Yeah. So if you're paying attention, okay. All right. This yeah. next clip. Hi there. Hi there. That's all I'm giving. That's all you need. Good. <laughs> Good. Big time. Randall Gelking. Oh, Randall, yes. Nice. Hi there. Peter Gabriel. That is correct. That's right, Randall. Pulling into second place. Nice. That was a Full point. good job. Yes. All right. Okay, here comes your next clip. <laughs> oh, God, that song's 
hilarious. Oh, I love it. I love that band. <laughs> oh. Are they still together? Can we go? Ow. Ow. <laughs> so unmistakable. Yeah. Nobody does that. Yeah. And Randall Gelkin gets half point for Word Up. And Brian Frober gets Cameo. Each get a half point. Half point. For both of you guys. Nice <laughs> they, job. They are still listed as active with about 40 past members. Oh, my. <laughs> All right, where are we at with as, these? As long as the guy, uh, well, Brian's in first with 4.5. Randall's in second, 2.5. Mr. Peabody in third with one. And RK Jason pulling up the rear with a half point. Pulling up the rear. All right, I, should we make these last two worth two points? Make it interesting? Sure, fine. All right. These last two are worth two points. You'll get a full point for one or the other artist's or name. Okay, here we go. Oh, so good. I've seen oh, them in concert. Song. I've seen them in concert, too. I mean, for, for that tour, that particular tour. This this is my first... Nice. The, uh, the album... Yes. This album was my first CD. This was my first concert. Oh, band name escaped me is not correct. Genesis is correct. He gets it right after he... He can. Okay. So Randall, Randall got the tie. Uh, so he gets artist. a he gets a full point, full point. for that. And yes. Land of Confusion is also correct. So Brian Frober gets a full point. All right. And the next uh, last track, uh, sort of a bonus track, uh, on our eleven song theme for the night. <laughs> Don't oh, offend. man, I've never heard that. Really? Oh, yeah. This is so good. Is, I bet somebody sure. knows it. I bet you, What do you want to bet somebody gets it from that? Uh, probably. I don't know. Okay. Is that a deep cut? That is, uh, well, relatively. I'll play another clip here. It's not like you're a little drummer boy. Oh, nope. <laughs> no, but that's a good one. Give me my name, it's a babe. Babe with the power. Oh, okay. So I have heard that song. <laughs> this is a great track. Crazy movie. Wow, I have a crappy connection. <laughs> That's not the name of the song, but good Don't guess. Can. <laughs> Divide <Yes>. Bowie. Mm. <laughs> okay, Mr. Peabody. <laughs> I'm just waiting for somebody to say us uh, by some dead guy again. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was the movie, but the song's title. Right. <laughs> And oh, there's you know there, there's got to be other listeners that are like I know what it is I know what it is and I'm not gonna type it in because I don't want to be part of the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Voodoo, you do. This the song is. Who got the half point for David Bowie? Was it Mr. Frober? Uh, Mr. Peabody. Mr. Peabody? That's full point. All right. Well, that finishes it up for tonight. That was Magic Dance by David Bowie. Dance, magic, dance. Yeah, so. My problem with that movie is it's shot like it's a TV show where there's a single camera in front of like a stage and actors and there's no side shots or anything. It's really weird. Watch the movie again and you'll see huh. it's, it's very static. 
now I'm thinking of the scene that they did. It was like uh, Ansel Adams, where it's all weird, and uh, the side view where they're walking through the bog of eternal stench. I, I don't know if I agree with you, but I'll well, watch it again. I, I think what they did was maybe they. It, it's a combination. Like I'm thinking of specifically the musical numbers. Yeah. Bonus question: The baby in this scene and throughout the movie is mm-hmm. played by uh, Bill Murray. No, oh. no. It is played by a very famous artist uh, um, who also did the concept art for Dark Crystal. Do you know who that is? Uh, anybody? You guys, do you know who it is? The artist? His name is Brian Froud. <coughs> so. Oh, did not know that. Yeah, Dark Crystal. There you go. What's in the juke? Um, we should have a guest joining us soon, but let's check the voicemail. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Let's, yeah, maybe somebody called. All right. All right. So yeah. Thank you for calling 612-548-GAME. This is Arcade Radio. Please leave your message after the tone. Hey, Arcade Radio Sliders. It's your buddy, Bob Zarzadet, control panel expert and technician. Oh, I can't believe I kissed your mom last night. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Which podcast is this? Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 right. That's the, uh, the arcade one. Sorry. Uh, right. Here, uh, uh, oh, yes, I do write down. What I'm going to say before I call, contrary to popular belief, I can write. Yeah, I learned that, like, last year, online course. Totally worth it. So so here it is, here it is. Okay, I'm calling. I'm going to give a shout-out to the uh, Retrotainment crew. I mean, uh, what an honor to meet the Retrotainment crew. It's awesome. You know, I did not know myself that you could make taint mints. I thought the taint was totally non-functional, right? So, uh, and doing it in a retro style, I mean, bravo, gentlemen, bravo. I mean, I'd clap right now if my hands weren't unavailable. Well, it looks like I'm running out of time for this call. Uh, they only let me make calls that last like two minutes or less here. So when I get out, I'm sure Is he I'll in jail? something longer. <laughs> That's what she said. Oh, anyway, don't don't show me the door. I'll, I'll find my way out. Uh, the Nick. <laughs> wow. That was a long one. Well, yeah. That, oh. Yeah, it was a long one. It was like a whole minute. A minute and 20 seconds. Wow. Is, is he tied up or something? Or? I don't know. It sounded like he was in jail. Does he have cuffs on? They only let him make two of his hands. hands weren't available, but like, what? what <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> that, is, that is weird. Derping. Should we try to bring this guest in? Retrotaintment. Is he already Ugh. here? I say I think he's already here. I see him. I see him there. <laughs> that means you have a passion. <laughs> hey, hey, how's it going? Let's get this well, guy a sir. camera. Somebody, uh, somebody should give this guy a camera. I want to put him on the, uh, on the on the camera here. Oh, this is Adam uh, pulling your video over into the uh, YouTube adjustments. Oh, there he is. I see out loud. Now he's actually with us. Nice. And Brian has been too tall the whole time. I'm going to shrink him down. I just wanted his head yeah. to be higher because he has his camera aimed at the ceiling. <laughs> it's going further. Okay. <laughs> I'm not moving. You are you are on the video now. I've been moving here. There you go. A little bit further down. We want to see your crotch light. <laughs> I, I had to turn off the crotch light and I'm not wearing pants, so I can't go too far down. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put shorts on. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, we should probably move on to the last segment. 
Cool, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Mr. Tim Hartman of Retrotainment. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate <laughs> right. you having us on. We're going to totally drill you on everything technical, so I hope you're ready. Oh, I'll do my best. <laughs> okay, in a ghost-up statement, just kidding. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Happy well, Halloween, for... guys. Hey. Happy Halloween. Happy El Dia de Muertos. So um, um, I'm just going to give a little bit of uh, background on the game for our listeners, and then we'll okay. just jump right in. How's that sound? So, uh, Thank you so much. Yeah. So uh, on October 31st, 1986, in the once quiet town of Possum Hollow, two 11-year-old kids are gearing up for some Halloween hijinks. Before a fun-filled night of trick-or-treating, Donnie and Tammy venture up to the old farmhouse where Harry, the crazy old farmer, suddenly thrusts them into a nightmare. Now trapped deep down in his dungeon on a pile of bones, they must break out and find their way back home. They will face hordes of heinous haunts, monstrous bosses, and environmental hazards as they make their way through various landscapes of Possum Hollow and fight to save their town from the curse that plagues it. The game features Donnie and Tammy, two adorable little bit kickers, with a stern lesson for anyone who tries to ruin Halloween. Seven levels of beautiful pixelated environments. Tag team technology allowing you to swap characters. A killer combat system unlike anything from the era with upgradable power moves. Combos and momentum-based physics that feel entirely modern. Coded entirely in 6502 assembly language down in our 8-bit laboratories. Ah, sizzling chiptone soundtrack. This game is... A modern game that was just released to the Switch called Halloween 86. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And Tim, why don't you kick us off by telling us your involvement with this project uh, and a little okay. bit of background. Yeah, Retro- well, I'm one of the owners of Retrotainment, which we are a, uh, a small indie dev studio that creates NES games from the ground up first before porting them to modern platforms like Steam, Xbox, and now the Nintendo Switch. And uh, I love the way you read that. We should have uh, hired you for the YouTube. It would have been spectacular. <laughs> Thank you. So, so yeah, as, as part of the team, you know, I, I wear many hats. Uh, lately, it's been more of the PR and marketing because the game just came out. And so I'm uh, finding everywhere on the Internet or in the physical world to try to tell people about our game. Uh, we're pretty stoked about it. And um uh, yeah, it's out now, and uh, couldn't be happier. Just so glad to finally be on a Nintendo console for real. Yeah, that's cool. That's, so, what was the what was the inspiration for the game, and what's the inspiration behind sticking with cartridges? I know it's a big thing for you guys. Yeah, it, it really is. We, you know, I, I'm a nostalgia guy to the core. Um, if a game's on physical uh, release or it has a physical release. Um, that's the one I'm buying. Um, a lot of our team is like that as well. We're just we're physical first guys. Uh, we love the cartridge. We grew up uh, playing games, uh, playing the Nintendo. I actually started on the Atari and then went to the Sega Master System and then was able to have friends in the neighborhood that had a Nintendo. So I got my first taste in the mid-80s when it came out early on. And, you know, the inspiration for Haunted Halloween 86 is... Growing up in the 80s in suburbia and, you know, 
trick-or-treating at night and and the toys that we had as kids, whether they were Remco monsters or, you know, uh, Kenner superpowers, just the colors and, and the toys and the culture that was part of Halloween back then, even something like the Ben Cooper costumes that were so important to me. Um, you know, it, those that's where the inspirations for all this came from. And there's also a road right near where Greg and I, my, my dev partner, where we grew up, it's called Possum Hollow Road. And it's a really creepy-ass road that uh, when we were kids, it was one of those roads like you didn't go there at night, kind of creeped you out. And still to this day, it's just it's just a creepy place. So those were sort of the inspirations for the the uh, town of Possum Hollow and the game itself. Awesome. I, I, so my question is that you mentioned your uh, dev partner, but how large is that team at Retrotainment? And, and did it start out that way? Who does what? You know. Well, it started out with Greg and I first okay. uh, as a two-man team, and we realized – Okay, we can make a game. We can do this, you know, but we cannot do it efficiently. Hmm. Um, it, it was just going to take a long time, which it should, you know, to make a, an old NES game. It's it's there's no tools for it, so it's just built from the ground up. So we started to um, look around, and we got uh, Thomas Cipollone, and um, he's our chiptunes musician, and Zachary Curl, who's our lead visual artist. And then we recruited uh, Damien, who is our, our programmer, who is a super genius in my opinion. And through that, we were able to effectively make our first game within about a year, maybe a little over a year. And that, so, that was which game? That was Haunted Halloween 85. Actually, the uh, first game in the series. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Product <laughs> placement on, is perfect. On a lovely I love that cartridge. green cartridge. Yes. So a Transparency, come on. All the things I love. Yeah, it's, yeah per- it's pretty rad. We we also do gray for the purists out there. So, <laughs> me personally, I only buy gray carts if I can. So, that- I'm I'm the oddball out though because everybody loved the colored carts as soon as we started doing them. Yeah, it's it's unique. I, I well, a lot of everybody does it now though. So like everybody who does a new cartridge has a colored cartridge because you can. But back in the day, they were gray. So I can see your the allure of the gray cartridge. Sort of yeah, a, to me, it's it's you know it's it's being able to do that and have something that you had as a kid, but something you produced or or helped create here in the modern day. It's eight bit uh, in legit that same format. <laughs> it's eight bit legit. Yeah, that's our tag we use because <laughs> you know it, here's one of the biggest things that we battle as a company. We we make eight bit legit games, and I know that sounds kind of corny, but. You know, we went to Steam and people compared us, oh, it's a retro style game, you know, but it's it's not quite polished. And this when we they were talking about 1985, the, the first game we did. Sure. But it's a Nintendo game. And, and that's the biggest thing. That's one of the biggest hurdles that I have getting across to people is that this isn't a retro style game. This is a legit retro game. So that's where I came up with 8-Bit Legit yeah. because to me, it it tells the truth. 8-Bit, you quit. Well, something like that. Right. So, uh, Kickstarter. You started the first one with Kickstarter, or both? No, the first one was built and financed by Greg and I, and um, we we really had no idea we could finish the game. Uh, our goal was for Halloween of 2015 to release at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo, which we pulled it off. We took 30 cartridges with us to the first show, and we sold out. And we thought, okay, this is pretty cool. And by the time the team got home, 
we were receiving more orders online. So I'm scrambling to make cartridges and label cartridges and order more supplies because we weren't exactly sure how it was all going to go down. Our primary goal was just to make a game and release it on cartridge for ourselves and maybe sell a few to help recoup costs. We didn't really understand where it was headed. Could I, could I interject something so that, real quick? That was the gist of it. Hmm. I, I want to interject something here real quick because I, I saw 85 a few years back at MGC. So I don't know okay. how, how long after Portland Expo that was, but you you were there a few years ago, um, mm-hmm. and I, I played the game, and I thought, well, and there's there's a lot of homebrew games for the NES, and there are some that are decent, and there are some that are really awful, and then there's a game like Halloween 85, which, frankly, uh, kind of, for me, legitimized uh, homebrew. Because it was actual, like, I could play this game. Like, I would see myself wanting to sit down and complete this game. Hmm. Well, that, hey, I really appreciate Thank you. That's that's an honor to hear that. That's, yeah. That, I mean, that's that's why we do this stuff. Because we, we, we are homebrew fans. And I'm a fan of what you call the, the bad games. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a fan of the mid, mid-range games and the good games. Yeah. I like them all. I have friends that do you know, small projects to large projects. And in fact, I work with a lot of people in the homebrew community now, and we wanted to make a game that um, people wanted to play. And then by people actually wanting to play it and realizing, wow, people are into the characters, people are into this environment and the the, uh, the creepy lore that we created for Possum Hollow, <laughs> that's when we did go ahead and kickstart the second one because we felt it would be a good platform to try to reach more people not only for sales, but to let people know that these games are being made mm-hmm. and they're legit games. They're not just a joke. And um, luckily, it's 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 been moving forward ever since. Yeah, I I don't know about you guys, or you know, I don't know about you too. But you have a sounds like you have a pretty good NES collection. And um, me, yeah. Oh, it's okay. I mean, it's it's not it's not amazing. <laughs> uh, I you know. I buy a lot. I probably buy more homebrews than I buy regular games. Yeah, I think there's some. That's true. There's a lure with. There's an allure with that because even the cruddy ones uh, are fun to play, uh, or at least to see what somebody accomplished, right? And and, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and having been a part of that uh, involvement with you know building a game, you you can appreciate the time and effort that goes into it. So uh, that's that's interesting. So the the Kickstarter went really well. And you were yes, able to launch the, the game uh, and build it. How long did it take you from the time you completed your Kickstarter to complete the game? We cite it as about a year, maybe a little over, because we started to build some early assets that were actually thrown out, like some of our my, my animations, Greg animations. They, they didn't make the cut. It, but be, we were making it for the Kickstarter to let people know, hey, this is where we're going with it. Um, some of the animations, the combat system, we were really, really focused on showing that there was uh, more game mechanics, you know, not just an uppercut, not, not, you know, a jump and punch. You know, we wanted the double jump, uh, the downward dash, the forward dash, um, you know, so that was important to us to, to diversify the game, to give it a better experience. And I think that's what we were able to do with 86. And from that, we've taken it on to have an onslaught mode. If you guys have checked that out on the switch, where you can actually try to survive three levels of an enemy rush, which actually enables you to hone your combat and practice your combat while you're not in a literal game setting, 
where you're progressing through the game. You're just on one static screen where you're fighting off haunts in a timed exercise. Well, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah, I don't have a Switch yet, so uh, I think Brian has one. He'll have to pick it up and try it out. Uh, but uh, so this is the 86 packaging, right? So Yes, sir. Pretty cool. And then, uh, again, colored cartridge. So, ah. ooh, translucent. Yes. Very scary. The pale orange. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And it does come with a little NES sleeve, uh, just like it would have back in the day. And a full color manual again. So yeah. I love the attention the to detail. Don't forget about the styrofoam. Yes, <laughs> and the styrofoam and the bottom. Yep, to hold everything up. That's it's pretty awesome. And uh, their their plug and play. Actually, it was really interesting to me uh, while I was researching. I saw some people like trying them out in different clones, which I thought was pretty funny because there's different mappings for different uh, hardware, and uh, of course it works on the. Nintendo Entertainment Systems, because that's what you designed it for. And it, assumedly, you tested it with that. Oh, then, oh, yes, yes. And the AVS. Yep. We are, that, that's the show we use, or that, that's the console we use at the shows because of the HDMI out. Our friend Brian from Retro USB actually created that, yep. built it, and it's spectacular. So that's, that, that, to me, is the best system to use right now when you're, you're playing an NES game on a modern TV. So... But yes, all our testing was originally done on the NTSC. That's why we put it out, all right. and that, that was the, that was the platform we wanted it to be played on. These the clones and some of these aftermarket systems, they may not work with our mapper, um, which we understand. But like I said, we made it for the original system. I have one more visual aid here. Okay, this, okay. this is the AVS. Oh, <laughs> oh, look at that beautiful case. Yeah, I've never seen that. Where did you get that case? I uh, got it on Amazon. It's uh, made by Condition One. And uh, you can pluck out you can pluck out your own uh, openings for the case. So I have my uh, AVS. Oh, and you've branded it yourself. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just stuck an old Nintendo sticker on the front. But it, this, this is an FPGA Nintendo, so for all intents and purposes, it is an actual Nintendo, which is why any Nintendo game will work on it. Yeah, um, it's a great system. We love it. It's a tank, actually. We've been touring with it for, I don't know, four or five years now, and yeah. that's the go-to system. We carry always a backup with us on the road, and we never need it because they never fail. Yeah, it's spectacular system. Love it. And it's under 200 bucks. In fact, I think he dropped his price recently. Like a, I think it's around 180. Yeah. And it's frankly it's worth every penny. I mean, you're supporting the homebrew community by buying it. Yep. And it's a damn good console. Well, it has a built-in four score. It has genie support. It has everything and you can add scan lines, which I like to do cuz I like it to look retro, you know. <laughs> so, I I mean it's I can't say enough about the AVS. It's pretty awesome. So, I'm glad you guys use it for testing. Um Oh yeah, definitely. So, uh let's talk audio. Uh the stock NES supports a total of 5 sound channels, two of which are pulse channels with four pulse width settings. One is a triangle wave generator. The another is a noise generator, uh, often used for percussion. And the fifth right. one plays a low-quality uh, digital sample. Your game appears to use all of them. No, we don't use samples. Oh, you we don't? We do not use samples. I thought, no, oh, it's, it's interesting because I saw a, a promo video that ha had some voice in it, and I just assumed there might be some voice. 
in the game. But. No, that that probably was just us doing some marketing or <laughs> having a voiceover. That's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, but so. yeah, noise channel is great for percussion, yeah. uh, hands down. Uh, you know, we use our human Thomas or Thomas Cipollone is our our chip tuner now and has been since the beginning. He he uses FamiTracker and it's a great system. I mean, it's actually a free program out there that people can play with. It's got a learning curve, but it's um, it's in in our opinion, it's the best way to do the music. And like you said, the the noise channel is great for just making beats and and creating that that back end of a song that can get you going in the right direction. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's the music is amazing. It it is quite amazing. And actually, when I think of awesome NES game music, I think of Konami. Uh, mm-hmm. They're sort of oh, my, yeah. my favorite, right? And I'm thinking of like Contra and Castlevania, Simon's Quest, Twin Bee, Goonies, t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Even the first one has mm-hmm. incredible music by Konami. They really had better music than probably anyone else at the time. So, And this game has that caliber of music. So if you're thinking about buying it, uh, you should, either on the Switch or on uh, Xbox or uh, Steam. Uh, and if you have an, a NES or an AVS, get the cartridge from their website. Is that on Retrotainment? Can you buy it directly from Retrotainment? Yeah, RetrotainmentGames.com has a link on there to the um, Cash and Culture store, which is where we sell them. Uh, not right now. We have free shipping, so oh, if you buy them, it includes the shipping. And you have like a you have a coupon for arcade radio people. <laughs> Uh, I I don't technically know, but uh, I guess that's something we can try to work on here. <laughs> if you want to, yeah. You... In fact, yeah. Drop a note and uh, let me see if I can send you guys some like people that did that some free uh, Possum Hollow bumper sticker. Oh, sweet. Or or some other stuff, some pins, stuff like that. We can throw in. That'd be cool. I'd love that. Yeah, I think our chatters would love that. Uh, Mark, did you? We, I've, I was I see he's typing feverishly there. I think he. I had a follow-up question to your question about the audio and when i think of awesome nes game music i think of konami oh but wait that's, that's something you I, I just read that that's my you that's my of a bitch now i mean, we're gonna have to edit that out of the show now <laughs> now now people are like dude this is not spontaneous at all <laughs> this guy there's you guys these guys have a script it's like they well, so it's like they're professionals only they read each other's lines <laughs> no, I'll admit, uh, so when we do the show, we have like questions that we prepare beforehand, and we put little X's about who wants to say that question. And I, I put X's on those uh, two audio And questions. I jumped right ahead. <laughs> and he stole them. So now I don't even know what to do. I, I guess I could ask about game mechanics. There you go. Yes. And, and, you know, and really, because game mechanics really has to do with sort of the quality assurance of can somebody play the game? Is it easy enough? Like, how do you guys work through all of that stuff? Well, for example, when we build levels or when we build obstacles in the levels, since we have an upgradable combat system, you need to be able to, you know, jump far enough to a platform if you don't have the double jump. See, people will lean on the double jump if they have the double jump from the beginning. See, if you start our game on easy, you get all the combat, all the upgradable moves from the beginning. But if you earn them one by one on the levels... You know, so you have to make sure the mechanics match the backgrounds and 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 match the, match the environments and the settings, which is important. You know, from a tactical standpoint, at the beginning when we set out and 
you know, create a level or put it on paper. Cause a lot of stuff we do first is really legitimately on paper. I always have a tablet with me. Oh. So it's, it's just important that the mechanics work well in the environment. I think that's one of the most important things a game can do is, uh, is that. Great. That's awesome. Is there, is there somebody that like, I mean, I know you guys all play the game uh, and you all test it out and you're talking about the mechanics and how, they get worked out to make sure that you have a long enough jump. But is there a point at which somebody just sits there and goes, this is just too effing hard. We got to like make this a little easier. We got to move this over here. I mean, who is there one guy that's like the guy that's That's you. That's me because I'm, I will be the first to admit that I'm not the greatest video game player in the world. I I call us the, the common man. Like that's, I'm the common man in the group where, you know, I'm just the, the, the player that'll be like, man, Greg, we got to dial this back a little bit. I mean, this is NES hard, and I get it that we have to be NES hard, but let's push that a little later in the game. So, yes, there are definitely times when we have to dial it back, for sure. Interesting. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this next question with uh, spotting off some facts about NES hardware to a to just kind of give our listeners some backgrounds, the original NES had two k- kilobit bytes of RAM, so no- practically nothing. Cartridges often included additional RAM and hardware to help the system achieve more than its uh, base system was capable of. The uh, NES operated on a Rico on Rico's version of the MOS Technology 6502 processor. The 6502 is actually a very common process, 8-bit processor from back in the day. That processor was used not only uh, to power the NES, but numerous arcade games and their subsystems, uh, such as uh, uh, Nintendo's Punch-Out! and Donkey Kong 3 used them as audio chips, for example. Uh, But anyway, the 6502 technology has been around a long time. Rico's was modified a bit. It actually allowed for some controller uh, inputs uh, and polling, and it actually had an early version of direct memory access. So, can you give us sort of an inkling of what your programming team, um, how they had, to, did they struggle with programming for the 6502, or, you know, what what's that process like for them? Well, Damien really doesn't struggle, in my opinion. <laughs> nice. What he struggles with is us trying to do too much and asking too much. For example, the the NES, there's a blessing. It's a blessing and a curse. You know, it's good that you're constrained to a certain amount of space and you can only do so much. But that's the curse because you want to do so much more. So we may have tablets and, and documents full of ideas and information, but we really have to scale it down because um, ideas, whether you're a writer or a filmmaker, you tend to bloat, and then you, you know you edit and you, you, you bring it down to some a semblance of reason. And uh, you know, to answer your question, we capped out at 512k for 86, which is right at our limits. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a little bit of wiggle room, and it's funny because each with each game we become more efficient, and even now we could go back to 86. And which is what we had to do to become a little more efficient within the game to fit that onslaught mode on. Because we wanted the Nintendo Switch version to mirror the cartridge version. Originally, 86 came out on cartridge without onslaught mode. But now, um, as of next month, we're going to be shipping it to mirror the Nintendo Switch version. So So I can send my cartridge back? 
Well, we, we, we aren't doing that, but I, I can get you an onslaught. Um, the, the demo is available on uh, Steam for free. Okay. That includes onslaught mode, so Sweet. everybody would have still access to onslaught. Although playing onslaught mode on the Switch has never been better. It's it's spectacular. Sweet. I love it. I play it every night now. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's you're, my own game, and I've played it a thousand times. But that's great. It's so good on the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> that's like Mark and Fastbreak. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, okay, so these limitations, did they lead to any innovations? Um, so I'm like sure could, they did. I, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking back. See, we made this game between 2015 and 2016. Mm-hmm. So I'm... It's a little bit while back. Yeah, it's a while back. And uh, I mean, innovations. Well... I don't know if it's an innovation per se, but like we were able to get the swappable characters into 86. So you can hit the select button and bring in your tag team partner, whether it's Donnie or Tammy, who is stored off screen while their health remains when you left them, you know, where you left them off. So that's pretty cool. Um, And that, that happened after 85, like 85, the game ends where uh, Tammy comes to, uh, Donnie at the end of the game and tells Donnie, you know, she's been there following them the whole time. And that gave us the idea, like, what if you could be either? And that also makes us, uh, gives us an opportunity to make the game even a little harder because you have two swappable characters at any moment. Yeah. And maybe, so we maybe, call it tag team technology. That's pretty M- cool. Maybe that answers the question. I'd have to do a little more thinking to see where a restriction actually helped us create something innovative. So I mean, it's like you get rain check on. That yeah, one. for yeah. sure. It's certainly back. certainly when you are as an artist, when you're faced with constraints, you end up doing things that sometimes end up being mistakes that are, you know, suddenly happy mistakes, like Bob Ross would say, happy little mistakes. Yeah. Um, yes, for know. sure. We actually have a point in the game where uh, we have a dad or I'm sorry, it's a um, it's a dodge. If you hit the uh, up button twice in a row, you uh, dodge an enemy, go around them. But if you if you hit the jump button at the exact right moment, you can do a super jump, which is almost halfway across the screen, which is a really badass move, <laughs> which was a happy accident. Oh, that's see, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so that was cool, and that's my favorite move. So I love it. <laughs> you know, go ahead, Brian. I was gonna say, so when you're porting all of this over to Xbox, Steam, and Switch. <clears throat> is it difficult to port them over? Do they just? I mean, does it actually like after it's done for the NES? Is it just kind of like a ho hum? We could just move this over to these other platforms. Well, we have a custom interpreter that we use that takes our assembly code and allows it to be, you know, understood in a modern language like Unity. That is uh, a gateway to these modern consoles or or Steam, something like that. So. It, well, it, you bring up an interesting point. For example, when we were porting with Nintendo, we are start select guys, you know, and so in the game in our tutorial, you hit start to pause and you hit select to swap out the character. Well, Nintendo got back to us late, late, and we're like, you can't do this. And we were <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And that we had to change anywhere that it said start to plus, and anywhere that it said select to minus. What? what? Even though on the on the wireless online controllers, the NES ones, it has a start and select button. So 
luckily enough, our tile-based tech system has a plus and a minus in it that we really don't use too much because it's not like we're doing math on screen or anything like that. Sure. So luckily, luckily, in the ninth inning, we had the ability to fix the assembly code to trigger the plus button for the start and the minus button for the select. And luckily, it got pushed through in time for the release date, which was uh, last Thursday, October 24th. Do you have to have a blessing from Nintendo? It, it sounds like you have a lot of interaction with them. We do, yeah. You do. Your game goes through um, approval first, and then it goes through, you know, lot check and certification. So I can tell you for 100%, somebody at Nintendo or somebody they hire plays your game, and they give you feedback. We've had to make changes. Um, mainly the changes we've made were for art assets and our trailer. Interesting. Oh, was, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and because they're strict and they should be because they want their brand represented well. Um, you know, whether it's a logo or an icon, you know, if, if you change the color of it, it's not cool. If you change the, you know, <laughs> like free transform in Photoshop, if, if you hold switch and it gets out of whack – it's going to get you in trouble. Right. It'd be cool Their if you could. team will throw something exactly. at you. Exactly. It'd be really cool if you could schmooze them enough to get them to give you know give you permission to have the official Nintendo seal on your arcade box on your Nintendo boxes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that would be cool. Um, <laughs> it, it is pretty pretty awesome that when you boot up our game on the Switch, it says uh, officially licensed by Nintendo, which <laughs> yes. is for somebody like me, that's that's just. That's a high watermark. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Totally. I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. But yes, the, the the seal of approval would even be better. <laughs> nice. Hey, so, um, in speaking of uh, older platforms, can we ever expect to see a PC10 or a Nintendo versus version of this particular game? He's, he's talking or about any the arcade games. versions. Uh, probably not. Not unless I mean, unless Nintendo saw like, oh, we really like this team. We really like what they're doing. And wanted to do something with us, which if Nintendo's watching or listening, yes, we will totally do what you need us to do. <laughs> but we have nothing planned like that right now. So the PC-10 and the Versus systems are super old. I wonder if somebody in, in chat might know somebody who could make an adapter. Or a hard... an adapter for the yeah. NES. So yeah, you can so play we could an just... NES game on an arcade. With on a the... PC-10, but not on a Versus, right? Okay, sure. Sure. Yeah, because you'd have to burn some. The, mm, I wonder how the PC, how the versus hardware. And anyway, yeah. So that'd be kind of cool. You, you could at least you, you could throw in your PC ten anyway. Yeah. So. You can that may have to happen. Mm-hmm. I know. Now we're all all of us with PC tens are like, I'm going to try to do this. this is what's going to here? It'd be kind of fun. <laughs> what's our next thing? Uh, I think this is an Adam question that's coming up. Hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, I just said I met you at MGC, I think. So what what other expos and shows do you does your team frequent? Uh, let's see. On a normal basis, we do MAGFest, which is in National Harbor, Maryland. Uh, Midwest is obviously in Milwaukee. We do PAX East, which is in Boston. Uh, we do PAX West, which is in Seattle. We do the Portland Retro Gaming Expo, which is in Portland. And next year, actually, we're going to swap and do PAX South instead of MAGFest. And we've just, that's, I was scrambling today to make cartridges because I had to send them to California because we've been asked to do Day of the Devs by Double Fine and I Am 8-Bit, which is uh, like an invite-only 
development conference where you showcase your game. So that's in San Francisco, California, this coming Sunday, or not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. Right. So I had to ship out the games in advance to their pop-up store, which sells all the merchandise. So I was scrambling to get our games made, you know, I'm assembling, I'm putting the PCBs in, I'm labeling the cartridges and getting them sent out because I didn't expect to be, we didn't expect to be on the road again. Right. So, are, yes, so it's are been you, a busy time. Are you the, like the assembly line? Like where are all the games assembled at your house or how does that work exactly? Uh, Greg and I have um, a small business on the side, which is called Cash and Culture, where we have three retro retail stores which have uh, video games, toys, music, culture, things like that. I have a uh, an office where I do all the assembly. So I keep all the shells, the PCBs. I do all my testing there, labeling. You know, I have my electronic vacuum, things like that that I have to do in order to keep our products clean and, uh, you know, in stock. So there was a question from the chat, and I, I know that uh... – we had talked about kind of the technical aspect of this, but there are three questions from Jason. One is, um, what is the actual game, the size of the game file? It's 512K. And then are there, can you add additional RAM on the cart or is, are you just restricted to what's on the system? In 86, we added 32K of RAM, which was not out of bounds in terms of the uh, the retro era of games. So it's not like we are making a beefed up pretend version that was relatively known that it could be done back then. Mm-hmm. And then the last question was, is there any special bank switching hardware? Hmm, that's a great question. I would have to ask Damien that. Personally, I don't know. Okay. But uh, if they send us an email, uh, just go to our uh, website, retrotainmentgames.com and shoot us that email through the contact us portal. I'd be happy to get back to them. Sweet. So we mentioned you had a uh, a modest NES collection. Besides your own games, what are your favorite NES games? Uh, Wizards and Warriors is one of my oh. favorites. Uh, Double Dragon, Baseball Stars, mm-hmm. Ice Hockey. Ice Hockey. <laughs> I love yeah. that game. I got to say Baseball Stars is my all-time favorite. Uh, probably second is Ice Hockey and... Blades of Steel. I know sport Blades games. People are like, ah, oh, they're sports steel. games. I just, I loved playing those games. Oh, you know, you endless know entertainment. I'm not even a hot. Oh, there's some some hot assistant action going on in Mark's corner. <laughs> well, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Sam. So anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, you know I'm not even a hockey guy, and I love ice hockey and Blades of Steel. I think that they're great games. Um, oh yeah, and yeah. the way they use that sample channel in Blades of Steel for Blades the, the of uh, Steel. <laughs> oh yeah, Love for it. yeah, it was like one of the rare games they actually used it in game. So yep, so it's yep, pretty cool. Nice. One of our chatters yes. mentioned that. So I do, you know, I do, I I play less games nowadays, which sucks <laughs> because we're busy. Um, but you know, there are times, mainly in the winter, where I get back to. You know, certain games, like, for example, my friend's game, The Incident, which is a homebrew, and it's made by Kahan Games, uh, K-H-A-N, if anybody's going to check it out. It's a block-pushing puzzle game, and it's just haunting. I mean, it's it, – it's I'm at level, like, 65, and there's, uh, like, over 100 levels, and I've been working on it for a year because I, I'll get to play it for a couple weeks, and then I have to go back, you know, to work and – 
but it's a great game for anybody into homebrews out there. Uh, my friends uh, just put out from Soul Goose Productions put out Spookatron, which is a twin twin stick shooter in the vein of Robotron. Sweet. We have some oh. Atari fans out there, which is a badass game. And uh, if you have a modified uh, Virtual Boy controller, it will work with that on the NES. Here's an interesting thing. Uh, if you have, uh, let's see, what's uh, what's this Robotron? And then you had, uh, what, what's the one with the, t- uh, Smash TV, right? Smash mm-hmm. TV? Uh, Smash TV on the NES allowed you to turn your controllers vertical. And you could have two, ver- two of your controllers plugged into the console. And then you mm-hmm. could use the two D-pads as uh as the fire and move so right and the, the cool thing about that is is it actually works really really well and it feels really natural if you've ever played robotron and so mm-hmm. uh and smash tv actually unfortunately i think was rushed i think it could have been better uh the graphics are okay it also uses samples in the game um but uh i think they, they could have done a lot more given a little more time but that the game mechanics for that game are brilliant. If your buddy could do that, if he could, well, yeah, he did that. Oh, okay, cool. So he's using the that's same. A, that's how you do it. So yeah. if you don't have a, a modified Virtual Boy controller, mm-hmm. you just use both controllers and turn them vertical. You know, yeah. Yeah. vertical, or, which or, or 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 you don't have to turn them vertical, but sure. it makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and your directional pads. It, it's a great game, and it actually the the regular edition just came out. Cool, and it's called yeah. what? Spookatron, and it's uh, Soul Goose Productions. Okay, Spookatron. So Robotron, Spookatron. That's pretty yeah. easy. That's Sweet. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, I want that's it. great. In fact, that's a guy, that's a dev that I actually work, do some side work with. Uh, we just did a, uh, it's called the Convention Quest for the Let's Play Gaming Expo in Texas. It's a small little RPG that him and I did together that was released in a, a limited run down there for their uh, convention. And okay. uh, he's a great programmer and an even better person. We have a little convention here in Minnesota called 2D Con. Mm. Uh, it's it's a I don't know how many thousands of people are there now, like three uh, a billion. Anyway, they have a they have a dev section like uh, and it's all like early development games. It's sort of uh, an indie game section session, uh, and, and there's a couple of guys that have been doing some really cool NES games. Um, but it'd be fun to see you guys show up there sometime. Yeah, do you know about what time, what day, you know, when in the year it is? Usually the end of August. Yeah, end of August. Okay. Yeah. So they actually, um, it's funny, they've moved around a bit uh, because of some of the other events in the country, MGC, uh, Evo out in Vegas and other things they've tried to avoid. Yeah, it, which is funny because Portland Retro Gaming just moved their show to August now. <laughs> which is kind of a bummer yeah um have you ever have you guys ever been out to the portland retro gaming expo i have not I it's it's absolutely one of the best shows in the country if oh. you guys ever get a chance it's worth every penny a couple and of portland our guests is a great city a couple of our guests have let's been go everybody mentioned it all right let's go everybody get ticket yeah there okay. you go um Okay, so I have a quickie uh, here, and this is going to – we're going throwback here, all right? Okay. Your video game origin story, what circumstances were where you became hooked on arcade or video games? Like, was there a favorite arcade? Was there a favorite console? Well, it would have been – my sister got an Atari for Christmas. Okay. Probably 83, 84, yes. which was late in the game. 
in terms of Atari, but her and I playing combat and demon attack and my mom oh. playing Pac-Man, that's when it, pro that's probably when I got hooked on games. Hmm. And uh, I, I love those memories. I mean, thinking about it, it just, it was a cool time to experience that on our enormous wood grain television, yeah. <laughs> sitting in a black bean bag and a yellow bean, bean, bean bag that I can remember to this day the way it feels. Yeah. It's just, it was a great time. <laughs> great. My, my bean bag was blue. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. We had pong. I just bought a bean bag two years ago and it's not the same. Oh. Did you get a love sack? No, no, no. It was a, <laughs> it's like a big gym or something, but it, it was black. It's, it's just, it, it doesn't have that same crappy feel and it, it, it doesn't have this. I don't think it has those little mini styrofoam balls in it. Like the old ones did right, in the eighties. Right. Yeah. Love those things, man. And then when they break, those things get everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have dogs, you do not want it to break. <laughs> no, no. No. Yeah. No, they will eat it. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, what's this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, hey, you know, part of part of some of the things that we do uh, on this show is we interview people who like Aladdin's Castle uh, managers and things like that. Did you have any favorite arcades back in the day? Uh, it would see. We had two malls near us that I okay. could get to. So, the arcade that I would say that was probably my favorite. I can't even remember the name. But <laughs> okay. I, well, it was, it was at the Greengate Mall, which <clears> is the, the mall that's actually in our games. That's that's what we cite in our games. Oh, that's cool. Was, which I use a lot of my you know local history in the game. Like for example, I grew up on Conway Street, which is one street over. And you're in Pittsburgh. And, uh, yeah, in Greensburg, which is 40 minutes outside of Pittsburgh. Sure, okay. okay. So Conway Street is the street I grew up in. That's in Haunted Halloween 85. But I don't even remember the name of the arcade because I feel <laughs> it changed owners so much. But it was okay. this dark, dingy arcade on the first level of Greengate Mall where – Back in the day, the metalheads went to and the punks went to. And I, I was never really allowed to go in there unless I would sneak in. And I would have to say, in terms of memories and looking back, that's my favorite arcade. Okay. And there was another arcade, but it wasn't as cool? No, it was it was upstairs near the food court, real polished, you know, where you could win tickets and get pencils <laughs> oh. and erasers, which is a great concept. And don't get me wrong, I love that stuff. But there was something about that dark, dingy arcade that I wasn't allowed to go to. That was <laughs> that was where the power lied. Oh, we have to. We're gonna have to do some research to find out what the name of that arcade right. was. Right, we'll find some yeah. pictures and stuff like that. And I should know because, like, I, I'm a historian of that mall, and I love it. I just I need to go back and try to figure out and get an old, you know, screenshot of somebody that took a picture of the uh, the directory. It's right. got to be in there somewhere. Well, what it turned into was I have this T-shirt for Z107, an mm -hmm. old FM station that was run out of the mall. And that place is what took over for the arcade. So, Oh, cool. Any particular arcade games that were at that dingy arcade that you liked, Lad? No. because And I, I just remember Pac-Man okay. because I was really young. And I just remember seeing Pac-Man and not being really able to go in far or if my sister went in, she was playing Pac-Man. It was just it was one of those instances where it, it was just like 
you were just like, wow, what's going on here? But then if we go, like, I went to Hill's department store all the time to play Double Dragon. That was awesome. And uh, an arcade in my the other mall near me was called uh, Tilt. Oh, yeah. It had, yes. it had WrestleFest. Okay. So that was pretty badass. Nice. Yeah, Tilt was a big chain. So uh, that's interesting. Okay, so um, all this gaming, obviously you like consoles the best. You had an Atari. You had the mm-hmm. NES, which I I kind of considered to be the penultimate console of mm-hmm. our era. You know, it it really hit a mark, and it was such an advancement over anything that had come out prior. Uh, and then it held its mark until basically a PlayStation, right? So, do you have like a, col- a collection of consoles today? I have some consoles. It's it's not crazy. It's not like it used to be. Sure. Um, <laughs> as you get older and get a house and Become you know, wise. Get, you know, <laughs> get married and, and stuff yes. like. See, and the funny thing is with with having the stores. If I want a Dreamcast, hopefully I can just go pick up the Dreamcast, which sure. is a nicety that I understand not everybody has, but. It's like I have a revolving collection at all times, sure. which is kind of strange, like kind of strange to say. But to get back to what you were saying, the NES, I think that's when things changed from a marketability standpoint. Sales, toys—it's when toys and video game, they, they it came to a head, and it exploded. Yeah, yep. It's very, kinda... very, very important part um, part of video game history, if not maybe the most important. So uh, if you. Uh, we're going to rotate out some consoles today besides the Switch and the NES. What other consoles might you find uh, name interesting right now? Uh, right now I have my Atari upstairs. That's plugged in. Uh, the Sega Master System I had, uh, which okay. was cool. My mom and I played Penguin Land a lot. I played Rambo and uh, <laughs> Reggie Jackson Baseball. That Those would be the two. I think the Game Boy SP is very excellent. Yeah. I think the the 3DS, the 3DS XL, like the the NES version, oh. with with the shell, not only because of the looks, I, I just think that console, uh, that handheld feels really well, um, and yeah. does. I mean, people still want those because and, and but the SP was was the start of that closing mechanic the on, on the, that saved the screen's ass so much. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> Those are some consoles that I dig. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah. Actually, I have a DS Lite, and I constantly play my SP, my Game Boy Advance games on it. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it's it's got a little bit smaller screen. It's not quite the right aspect ratio as the original SP, but I have an SP as well. Um, I just find the DS to be a little more comfortable, you know? It's more like oh, an I'm NES sorry. controller. Yeah, it's... It's a little bigger too, so it's easier to hold. Yeah, the yeah. SP can can kind of be tough because of its size. I do I do uh, have some readers though that I have to use these days. Nice, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. So, but uh, my my latest favorite I don't know about if you if you guys have played this, but Bomberman the original NES Bomberman was released as a, an advanced cartridge, and I love that game. It has so many little easter eggs in it that people don't know about and it does start off you know horribly slow but you build quickly and after a few levels it just becomes addicting and (laughs) so i'm on like level 47 right now just (laughs) waiting to complete the game so 
Anyway, do you have do you have any games like that that you're playing right now? Right. Well, I'm getting back to the incident, which I said was uh, an NES homebrew mm. that my buddy made. I've been playing a little Spookatron because it just came out, which um, I'm going to get that. It, it's a tough game, but it's good. And we've been frankly, I haven't had a lot of time right now with promoting the game, doing the shows. We just did that convention cart. We also just did another release for which is a brand new thing. Not many people know about it yet. It's called the MP3 NES cart. So it allows us to release a band's album on NES cart playing MP3 quality audio through. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we, the band Zayo, my friend's band, just uh, put them out for sale. They sold 60 in 30 seconds. So <laughs> that was pretty humbling. So they're going to do another run of 40 and then cap it at 100. And um, I'm talking to some other bands and some companies about doing it because I think it's a pretty cool thing. Me personally, when I was playing in rock and roll bands, I, wo- I always wanted to release our album on an NES cartridge. I don't know why. I just wanted to do it. And now it's finally going to happen. That's cool. Now, we talked about innovation back a little bit ago. We're talking about some of the games that you like that actually have some uh, new innovations in them. The one thing we haven't talked about, uh, which I think we're, we're down to about 10 minutes left of your time. So I think we should talk a little bit about Full Quiet. Um, okay. Because it's, um, it's, you know, it's been kickstarted, thankfully. We had over 500 backers. I'm extremely thankful and humbled by the, the following that it got. Um, it's definitely a different game than Haunted. It's an open world mystery. And a lot of the environments and the setting, which is the woods, was uh, inspired by some of our trips to Portland and Seattle up in the north, the Pacific Northwest. Specifically, up near Seattle was the Seward Forest, which is an old-growth forest, which is just spectacular. Mm. And uh, Zach, who's doing the art for Full Quiet, is doing an amazing job. It is his best work to date. It's just it's spectacular. I can't wait for people to play it. I can only say so much about the game because we, you know, it, it's a mystery, so we don't want to give anything away. I will say. But, the game mechanics were incredibly unusual. So there was a demo at MGC that was playable, uh, and I, you needed a little bit of instruction because it. Oh yeah. It, yeah. It, it's uh, you, as an NES game, you don't quite know what you're doing at first. Uh, so having you guys around giving a little bit of instruction was really nice, um, and I'm sure that'll all come out in in the full game and and with the manuals and such. But. Uh, I like how you guys try to innovate. And I think this is a, you're taking it in a completely different direction. So comments on that. We definitely are. We're we're trying to give people a new experience, but we want to drop people into this world and have them figure it out. Um, Obviously at the show, you know, when we're demoing it, we can only have so much time that somebody takes up in front of the television. So we need to kind of scoot them along and get them involved with the game so that they can get a good feel of it and then move on. Because, you know, we could give a 20 to 30 minute demo to every person, but then we really cut down on the eyes and we're taking up people's valuable time when they could be go buying Perler art or hot dogs. And, you know, I'm kidding. I'd rather have them be playing our games, but you know, it's a show and it's kind of high, you know, fast paced, especially somewhere like PAX where there's so many people. Yeah. Have you guys ever been to a, a PAX show? Not not me. Not yet. Okay, well, it is fantastic. You cool. guys should really, really check it out. But 
it, it's very fast paced. Um, you get people's attention for a few seconds or minutes and then they're off to the next thing. Sure. So, you know, w- with full quiet, um, you know, your, your son, your son's been taken yeah. by something <laughs> and you venture out into the forest to find him. Now, you could check out the, some of the videos on Kickstarter if you want to see some of the mechanics like mantling and the eight-way shooting and the barrel rolls. We just we want to make a game where you explore and you have time to appreciate the backgrounds that Zach is doing and appreciate the music that Thomas is writing. Because in a game like Haunted, you're bombarded with enemies True. and you want to get go, 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 go. And in full quiet, we want to let it breathe. So – that takes longer, we're finding, than a haunted game because, you know, a beat 'em up is linear for the most part, mm. where yeah. an open world mystery is non-linear. So there's a lot more variables to keep in mind so that the story and the game is cohesive. Yeah, I, I love that. I was just reading on your web page and I just saw the tagline that you you almost read verbatim. It's just a Something has taken your son. Oh, yeah. yeah. You must venture deep into the forest to find him. Full <laughs> yeah. quiet. Coming soon to a theater near you. <laughs> yes, which would make a great movie. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I've been saying the same things for a while. So, the, uh, it might come off as, you know, the same thing that's written wherever you read that. But, you know, pitching the game at shows, it gets exhausting, you I know, bet. because you have to be on, you have to say like, you know, here's our game. It does, you know, and you know, you don't want to be a pitch man all the time, but sometimes like at the shows, you have to make use of the people who are there and you want to get your, your message across. Yeah. But going back to, to things, you know, the telling them that it's an NES game, getting that across to people is still the hardest thing we have to do. I can't stress that enough because People just don't get it until you let them hold the cartridge. Yeah. So you can still, uh, can you still uh, get a backer kit for that for full quiet? Yes, you can. And um, I suggest, because it'll be closing up here soon, anybody that wants to get that silver cartridge that uh, is going fast is pretty cool. And um, yeah, the backer kit's still open. There's updates on Kickstarter if anybody wants to see the latest videos or, or some of the posts that we've been putting up to showcase our backers have been very um, patient with us because they want they've seen the game and now they want it to be done right. They right. don't want it to ru- you don't want us to rush it. They understand that we, you know we have this opportunity to go to the switch, yeah. which is uh, we're just very thankful for everybody that's bought our games and you know come to the shows and helped us share and retweet everything. It's just it's a really a community and retro effort. And that's fullquiet.backerkit.com. You guys should check it out. Uh, and there's varying levels of participation, and you can get a great cartridge if that's what you want. <laughs> Which is what I will get. <laughs> <laughs> or you can get the really cool uh, chrome-ish, silvery-looking thing, which is also cool. And a different label. Ooh. So Nice. I'm looking at you gotta it you got to make it different, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got to be different. Because well, you got to collect them all, then. You can't, you can't just get that one. you got to get the other one. So. Yeah, I like it. So, uh, any any uh, any p- parting words? Oh, first of all, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yes, sir. Oh well, thank you for having me. I, I love it. It's a blast. Um, I and I apologize that I was only on for an hour. I just with me making those cartridges today and getting them to the post office and getting home <laughs> right in time to get the sound check. I've so just perfect. Been, 
Yeah, yeah thanks for I'm busting the, your butt to do that. It was really awesome. I really appreciate you uh, helping me out there. And, that, and oh. that's just an unpredictability thing, really. With our show, sometimes uh, our listeners know this. We've had some issues with some sound. From time oh, time. I'd much rather check. I'm all about <laughs> check, check, double check. No worries at all. I just, that but, I just, you know. So if you had been, any advice for some budding uh, programmers and people that want to make games, what would you say? Start with a pencil and a paper. Okay. A piece of paper. You, you got to start slow and try to get your vision down so that you understand it first before you start involving others or trying to learn new things because at the core of any good game it, there has to be a good idea and um it has to be you know relatable you bet you you need to be able to have people want to play your game so mm-hmm. get your ideas flushed out first before you start that that would be my first you know piece of advice second yep. is if you're going into create nes games uh be patient and <laughs> take it step by step I would start with art and music first before programming because art teaches you a lot. You know, when I do, you know, art for whether it was for Convention Quest or I just did the art for the MP3 cart for Zeo, you know, or, you know, stuff I did for on the Haunted Games or music or sound effects, you'll learn a lot by using tools and understanding, you know, okay, and I want to make my sprite uh, four by two because of the ratio of how it looks on the screen. There's just, I would start small first. Start with your ideas and then move through art and music before you go further. That would just be my advice. That's good advice. I think that's good advice for anyone. It's like, you know, you you storyboard before you shoot. So, you know. Exactly, yeah. That's pretty cool. I like that idea. And there are people that I've met that just start programming and and they do everything. They do the art. They do the music. And and they're visionaries like that. But... If it's your first time up to bat, I would be cautious and slow at first. Yeah. Well, you stick know. stick with us after we go off the air, and we'll just say a formal goodbye to you. Otherwise, uh, I think we're going to close out the show for now. Again, thanks for being on with us. This is Tim Hartman, Retrotainment. Check out their website. Go get uh, the backer kit for that uh, the new Quiet Game, and check out Halloween 85 and 86. I think that's going to wrap it up for tonight. What do you guys think? Thank you, guys. All right. Like us at Facebook at Arcade Radio or check us out at Semi Regular. Updated blog at arcaderadio.com. That's R C A D E R A D I O.com. Call and leave comments if you're not named Bob Zarzadek. <laughs> on the game line, which is 612 548 game or 612 548 4263 if you don't understand the English alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And click on the notification bell so you know when we're streaming live. You can also subscribe to our podcast on Anchor FM, iTunes, Google Music Player, wherever podcasts are played. That's going to be it for now. From Eric Radio Team, we hope you had a great time. And we'll see you on the next episode. Dining out. Happy one day after Thanksgiving. Yes. Or Halloween. Or, or Easter. Ah, oh, shit, I said Thanksgiving. Oh, man. Fix this in post. I think it was great. I'm leaving it. 
<laughs> I mean, it is November. We'll have Thanksgiving sooner or later. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs>